0: On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Enmeshed, the show that reveals some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family.
1: Enmeshed family members are fused together by unhealthy emotions instead of the strong bonds that signal a well functioning family. Boundaries are blurred and unhealthy relationship patterns are formed. Hello, and welcome to Enmeshed, the podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm Pam. And today we have a Christmas special. Well, it's more like a Christmas massacre special. It's the time of year we gather together with loved ones and forget all the transgressions of the past year. We snuggle around the fireplace, exchange presents, eat way too much, drink way too much, and spend the day basking in the joy that family brings during the holidays. I suppose you don't really expect one of those family members to brutally and callously murder every single member of your household on Christmas Day. Am I right? That's right. The holidays just bring
0: out the best emotions in everyone, don't you think so? Oh yes,
1: they always do. (laughs) So let's set the stage. Sadly, on December 25th, 1929, this is exactly what happened to the Lawson family in Germantown, North Carolina, after their patriarch, Charles Davis Lawson, slaughtered his wife and six of his children. It was said they seemed like a happy family. Oh, we've never heard that before. Never. Just before Christmas 1929, Charlie Lawson took a very unusual step of heading into town with his big family to have a portrait taken. Normally, this wouldn't have been seen as strange, but due to the fact that he was a working-class farmer and had to spend a lot of money to make sure his wife and seven children had brand new clothes, it raised a few eyebrows. Charlie wasn't from an affluent background. His parents had been sharecroppers, which is a practice where they rented a small patch of land, and in return gave a portion of their crop over each year to the landowner, and this was definitely not a practice you would use to get rich. Charlie married Fanny Manring in 1911, and after they had saved up enough money by farming tobacco, they bought a rundown farm in 1927 close to his brother. The marriage was fruitful when it came to offspring. Charlie and Fanny had eight children, Arthur, Marie, Carrie, Mabel, James, Raymond, and Mary Lou. The third born, William, died at age six after he contracted an illness, which was kind of common back then. For all intents and purposes, Charlie was a devoted yet strict father, and even though a few of the townsfolk seemed suspicious that he had forked out the kind of money needed to afford the new clothes and a family portrait, no one expected the horror that was to come. That Christmas morning, the oldest, Marie, who was 17, woke up early to bake a surprise cake for the family festivities that had been planned, and at some point while she was doing this, Her sisters, Carrie 12 and Mabel 7, set off to visit their aunt and uncle who lived close by. The younger girls would never make it. Charlie was waiting for them by the tobacco barn, and as soon as they came into view, he shot them with the 12-gauge shotgun. To make sure they were truly dead, he also bludgeoned them with the weapon for good measure. From there, he returned to the house and opened fire on his wife, Fanny, who was sitting on the front porch, killing her instantly. She was only 37. Charlie then entered the house to be confronted with a now hysterical Marie. He wasted no time shooting her dead before he searched the house for the others. He found little James, four, and Raymond, two, who had tried to hide from their father. He killed both of the boys in a rampage, before turning his attention to Mary Lou, who was only four months old. Unbelievable. Four damn months old. He chose not to use the business end of his gun this time, but beat her to death instead. What the fuck? That's horrible. Yeah, that is so awful. Charlie then walked out into the woods, and after a few hours of pacing and contemplating, he fatally killed himself. The only survivor of the massacre was 16-year-old Arthur, who had been running an errand for his father during the massacre. He went into town to buy shotgun shells under false pretenses. He thought that the reason he was picking up the shells was to go rabbit hunting that Christmas afternoon. The father-son activity was a local Christmas tradition, and Arthur didn't even give it a second thought. Unfortunately, it was this same rabbit-hunting Christmas tradition that made neighbors assume that the shotgun sounds were totally normal on that Christmas day. However, when they found out what the sounds really were, they were all stunned. When relatives came over to wish Charles and his family a Merry Christmas, they discovered the seven Lawson family members dead with their arms crossed and pillows under their heads. They also found a freshly baked Christmas cake. But the question still stands, what caused this father to commit such a gruesome act? Depending on which story you believe, either
0: Arthur returned home to find his whole family slaughtered after his errands, or the visiting relatives found the horrific scene, all reports do agree that their bodies were laid out with their arms across them and
1: pillows under their head except for his first two victims, who were found in the same manner in the barn, with rocks under their heads instead of a pillow. Along with a now-present police officer, Arthur eventually found his father in the woods. Charlie had half-written letters with him to his parents. The police officer also noticed footprints all around his body, which indicated that he was pacing back and forth before ending his own life. The pacing was a bit strange, considering he didn't even hesitate when it came to shooting his family point-blank. So why was he pacing? Was he reluctant about taking his own life? Pacing back and forth is a common sign of agitation. The fact that Charles was pacing could be a symptom of anxiety and perplexity, which is also an indicator of a mood disorder. So in his pocket were the two half-written notes. One said, troubles can cause, and the other said, no one to blame but. So they were unfinished notes. Yes. While these unusual letters didn't give us insight into why Charles committed the barbaric crime, they might support a pregnancy theory. Again, this is all circumstantial, but certainly a possibility. The only confusing part is why murder the entire family over another pregnancy? So let's take a quick break before breaking down our theories.
2: Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. Uh.
1: Ho, ho, ho. Now back to the show. No one knows why Charles Lawson snapped on Christmas morning and performed one of the most unspeakable acts against his family. But as you can imagine, there is plenty of speculation surrounding just what drove him to slaughter all but one member of his immediate family. For years, his surviving relatives and friends pointed to the fact that Charlie had suffered some form of head trauma a few months before the incident, and they were convinced that this was the source of the madness that drove him to do such an unspeakable act. In fact, insanity was seen as the sole reason for his actions, and was even reported as fact in the Twin City Sentinel the day after the massacre. It would be hard for everyone to fathom any other reason. The paper read, quote, believed to have become suddenly insane, Charles Lawson, 42, who lived near Germantown in Stokes County, Christmas Day killed his wife, Fanny, 37, and six of his seven children, and then committed suicide, unquote. For over 60 years, this was taken as gospel. It was seen as the only logical reason for Charlie doing what he did— but there just isn't any evidence to back up this scenario. In fact, so convinced that this angle was false, author Neil Gray wrote the following in an article in Horror Obsessive. Quote, Firstly, no one has ever said what this accident was, at least as far as I can tell, while doing my research. If he had suffered a head trauma, wouldn't there be some form of a record? And if it was the cause of such a nefarious deed, then surely there would have been some telltale signs? If he was suffering the effects of, say, a fractured skull, then wouldn't there have been a noticeable change in his behavior? Perhaps he would have been susceptible to mood swings, or maybe he would have been prone to sudden violent outbursts. Yet there is nothing that I can find that suggests that Charlie Lawson appeared, at least on the outside, any different to those who knew him. Secondly, and possibly the most damaging evidence to this theory, is that when they performed an autopsy upon him at Johns Hopkins Hospital, no abnormalities were found in his brain, seemingly blowing the whole premise out of the water, However, in the Greensboro News and Record, which looks back at events over the previous 90 years, There is an interesting article written by Susie C. Spear. She writes that Charlie Lawson had, in fact, been acting very erratically in the months leading up to the incident and had complained to the family doctor on more than one occasion of terrible headaches and insomnia. She also points out that this is all backed up in Trudy J. Smith's book, The Meaning of Our Tears. I think this lends a lot
0: more credence to the claim that instead of planning to kill his family, Charles
1: lost his mind and he acted in the spur of the moment. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking, too. While that scenario seems to be an open and shut case, there was also another theory that emerged many years later that might explain why the insanity idea was pushed so hard by those left behind because the truth was too much to bear a truth that wouldn't come to light until 1990 when a new book about the Lawson family massacre was released called White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, written by M. Bruce Jones and Trudy J. Smith. The authors claimed to have proof that what had driven him to perform such an unthinkable act was that he had raped his 17-year-old daughter Marie and gotten her pregnant. They claimed that a few people had suspicions in regard to the relationship between father and daughter, including an anonymous tip from someone who had gone on a tour of the Lawson farm where the guide stated that the incest story was indeed a fact. Adding even further fuel to the fire, just before the book went to publish, they were contacted by Charlie's niece, Stella Lawson, who claimed that at the funeral she overheard members of the family discussing how Fanny had her suspicions that there was something unsavory going on between the two. Totally gross. Again, damn it. Trudy J. Smith went even further to say in her book, The Meaning of Her Tears, that Marie Lawson's closest friend, Ella Mae Johnson, told the story that during a sleepover, Marie had come clean and confessed that she was pregnant with Charlie's child, To which Sam Hill, a neighbor of the Lawsons, claimed that Charlie had told Marie if she told anyone, there would be some killing done. Lord have mercy. The fact remains that the only person who knew why he did what he did that day is, or was, Charlie Lawson, and he took that knowledge to his grave. This means that all we can do is try to figure out what turned this family man into a monster, and for this to happen... There are a few things we need to take a closer look at, starting with, why did he have the family portrait taken? Yeah, the clothes
0: and the legendary portrait
1: points to premeditation. It seems completely out of character for a man of such frugal means to all of a sudden spend so lavishly. Not only would the picture itself have set him back a chunk of change, but he also bought brand new outfits for all eight of them, and that would not have been cheap. If this act was premeditated, it's also strange that he would go to the lengths of having the portrait done in the first place. What did he hope to achieve by this? Did he plan to keep the picture as a reminder of his actions, and if so, had he not planned to commit suicide and instead allowed the law to arrest him? The last part definitely has a ring of truth to it as stated earlier, When they found his corpse, the area around it was covered in footprints, meaning that in the hours between the dirty deed and his suicide, Charlie had been pacing frantically as if trying to figure out his next move. Or maybe Charlie wasn't the one who came up with the idea of the portrait. Fanny may have wanted the portrait taken as a Christmas present for the family and had talked Charlie into it. By the way, you can take a look at this infamous photo on our website or social
0: media platforms. He looks totally creepy. Totally. It's something in his
1: eyes or a little shifty. It's always the eyes. And speaking of Christmas, was there a significance as to why Charlie waited until that day to massacre his family? I mean, it can't be because he knew that this would be the one time of the year that the whole family was under the same roof. They were always under the same roof. So what was it? If we are to surmise that he had indeed gotten Marie pregnant, then perhaps she had waited until that morning to tell him, thinking that her father was less likely to react in a negative way on such a religious holiday. Hmm, I don't know about that theory. Yeah, me neither. There is also the question as to why he would spare Arthur. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. Did he do it out of love for his eldest son? Considering the horrific act he was about to perform, it doesn't appear that Charlie had any feelings toward his family at all, so to think that he had a sudden burst of fatherly devotion to one of his children hours before a presumed premeditated murder spree is kind of a stretch. While the incest angle would explain a lot, why did it take six decades to surface? Admittedly, no family wants something as serious as that aired in public, and though I have no doubt that the authors of the two books, which we've linked in the show notes, believed what they were told, I feel that this is just a case of he said, she said. Though it makes for a juicy story, in reality an autopsy would have found evidence that Marie was pregnant, and that has never come to light. There would be no hiding what had gone on between Charlie and Marie— and we wouldn't have had to wait 61 years for a book to bring us this quote-unquote truth. So back to the head injury theory, and it's probably the one I would believe. Considering the era this happened in, medical procedures were nowhere near the standards that we have today. So to say that he had zero abnormalities on his brain when they did an autopsy might have been true then, but I'm sure that under today's rigorous tests and examinations, it would be discovered that there might have been a serious amount of damage and that it led to Charles Lawson committing the ultimate sin against his own family. Yes, while we'll never know for sure why these violent acts were committed,
0: I feel it's much more comforting that it was a head injury.
1: Agree. Yeah. So, whatever happened to Arthur? the only Lawson family member to live past 1927. Story has it that Charles was worried his strong, muscular 16-year-old son would try and stop him from committing the massacre. Who wouldn't try and stop a crazy murderer from killing their family, even if it is his own father? But the fact that he spared his only son doesn't mean the son was let free. He had to spend the rest of his life knowing that his own father killed his entire family. As fate would have it, in 1945, Arthur was killed in a car accident. The young man was just 32 years old and left behind a wife and four kids. That's so sad. After the family massacre, all that was left was their house. After the gruesome killings, Charles' siblings capitalized on their tragedy and turned the house into a tourist attraction. Throughout the years, thousands of people came to visit. I would have taken a look-see. How about you? I think so, but that's kind of messed up to capitalize on the tragedy like that. But yeah, I, I would have yeah. gone to look. Yeah, and there's a lot of shit that goes down in North Carolina, so
0: maybe we need to go take a look.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's not far. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do it.
0: Um, so this devastating event inspired a few songs and even a movie called...
1: A Christmas Family Tragedy in 2006. The leading attraction of the home was the Christmas cake Marie baked in the early hours of that fateful day. It was preserved on the murder site. The cake isn't there anymore. It can't be preserved forever. But the chilling atmosphere prevails. So the Lawson family funeral attracted a pretty big crowd, like 5,000 people. Wow. Wow. The caskets were left open so that family, friends, and nosy neighbors could take a look at the bodies before they were put to rest. Throughout the three-hour ceremony, people formed aisles in order to see the Lawsons for the last time. The Lawson family is buried together in the small Browder family cemetery. The Browders had been landlords to the Lawsons before the family moved to the farm on Brook Cove Road and donated the plots in their own cemetery. Just like all bizarre stories that we can't make any sense of, we can never rely on a single theory as an explanation. As I said, most of the evidence is circumstantial, so it's hard to really know what his motive actually was. If only the advancements in medical records and DNA technology we have today were available back then, then we wouldn't be theorizing on this, and we may know what actually happened. No doubt.
0: Well, we hope your holiday is merrier and jollier than the unfortunate Lawson family. Amanda, what are some of your favorite holiday traditions? Mine are fruit salad. I get really mad if grandma doesn't make it poppy seed loaf which i make every year i love that
1: your brothers i know um is snickerdoodles besides getting presents from santa and rudolph as you still put those names on our gifts sometimes i put mrs claus yeah um i do like the poppy seed loaf i also like to do the cinnamon rolls on christmas morning Mm -hmm. we still do that and of course going to grandma's house for christmas Yay! Yay. Over the river and through the woods. To grandmother's house we go on Christmas Day. (laughs) All right. That is a wrap for this episode. We hope that you have happy holidays, everyone, and feel free to share your favorite Christmas traditions on our social media so we know what you all do for the holidays. We'll see you next Monday on Enmeshed. Thank you for listening. All of our sources are in today's show notes as well as those important resources. You can find us at Enmeshed underscore true crime podcast on Instagram or Enmeshed true crime podcast on Facebook and let us know what you think. You can also get a behind the scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to keep up with Enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an Oh No production.
3: Oh no!